Welcome to The Heart of the Matter, a podcast series brought to you by the Heart Foundation of Jamaica. This series is focused on discussing issues concerning your health. I'm your host, Vanetta Nurse, and I'm the Advocacy Officer at the Heart Foundation of Jamaica. Our first episode today will explore non-communicable diseases, or NCDs. We'll tell you what they are and how they impact you. We also do a deep dive into the Jamaican landscape, highlighting how COVID-19 affects persons living with non-communicable diseases and other comorbidities. We will also discuss policy interventions and solutions that can protect you and improve the health of the population. So we have a fulsome and interesting discussion lined up today. To guide us on these matters, we have invited Dr. Julia Rowe-Porter, who is the medical epidemiologist in the Non-Communicable Diseases and Injuries Prevention Unit at the Ministry of Health and Wellness. Dr. Rowe-Porter, thank you so much for joining us for this discussion today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so in recent times, non-communicable diseases have received special attention by global health authorities. Dr. Porter, can you take us through the basics? What are non-communicable diseases and why has there been a spotlight on them in the past few decades? Okay, well, a non-communicable disease is also known as a chronic disease and it's a condition or an illness that is expected to last a long time, a very long time. And it results from a combination of things. Um, So we would know or we would have heard of diabetes, hypertension, stroke, kidney disease. You know, these are examples of chronic diseases. And uh, how they come about really are uh, a mixture of different factors. So you have possibly, you know, persons that have genes or genetics. They inherit certain things from their parents There's physiological, meaning just processes that are happening in in the body from time to time. There's the environment in which we live, which has certain things that we are exposed to, like smoke, and there's behavior. And we find that uh, a, a mixture of these factors, which is what we call risk factors, come together for us to develop chronic diseases or non communicable diseases. For example, diabetes has a genetic factor where if your mother, father, sister, brother has it, then you're likely to get it. Sickle cell is a genetic disease. Um, You don't have to have any other factors for you to get it because that's strictly through your DNA and genes. But diseases like diabetes, you have genetics as well as things that happen in your body like hormones, the insulin hormone, things may go wrong with it or how it's processed in the body. But of particular concern is the risk factor or the set of risk factors that are associated with behavior. This is very important because at the very least, we can try to do something about these risk factors. So, for example, there is unhealthy eating, physical inactivity, smoking, and harmful use of alcohol. These behavioral practices will lead to us getting obese or overweight It can lead to our blood pressure being elevated or blood sugar being elevated and abnormal fat levels in our blood. And when these processes continue in our body for a long time, then we can develop chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and even cancers. And then once we have these chronic diseases, we can get complications like heart disease, poor circulation, 
stroke and these will lead to disability and death and it takes a long time for us to develop these chronic diseases from the risk factors being exposed to them to when we get the disease and when we have um, disability and death from them. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Porter. Um, in terms of the Jamaican landscape, how concerned should we be about non-communicable diseases in Jamaica? I mean, how common are they in Jamaica? And are we? Um, what about the risk factors in Jamaica as well? Well, the burden of disease, chronic disease in Jamaica is a, is a huge one. It's, it affects the world globally. It affects the Caribbean and it affects Jamaica. Now, generally speaking, chronic diseases accounts for 71% of deaths globally and also in Jamaica. And the top four in Jamaica and globally are cardiovascular disease, which includes hypertension, cancers, respiratory diseases like asthma and diabetes. Now, we may say, well, what's the big deal? I know so many people with diseases, like what I've mentioned, but we're concerned that a lot of our people are dying prematurely. So where we would want to live to the three score and 10, a lot of persons die before that. So they don't get to maximize their potential. They don't get to see their grandchildren. And premature deaths, uh, most of them, yes, we think about crime and violence in Jamaica, but most of them, um, about 80% of them are due to NCDs. And uh, in Jamaica, as a low or middle income country, this is particularly skewed in our population because the chronic disease epidemic is worse in Jamaica and the Caribbean. It's so bad that our ministers or heads of state have come together to declare that there is indeed an epidemic in Jamaica and in the Caribbean. And it's so bad in terms of some statistics where uh, we look at diabetes, there are one in every eight persons that have diabetes. Persons over the age of 15, one out of every eight has diabetes. And one in three persons over the age of 15 are known to have high blood pressure. We look at persons dying from cancer. There are so many new cases of cancer, and the, the cancers that are of major concern to us are prostate cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, cervical cancer, um, cervical cancer being one of the preventable ones. But these are the conditions that are contributing to premature deaths in our population. And to bring it home, Everybody in Jamaica is affected by chronic disease. Whether you have it or not, you could be exposed to a risk factor or have it in your genes and you don't know. You may know someone with a chronic disease, a friend, a family member. You may have to take care of someone with a chronic disease, your mother, your grandmother that's bedridden because of a stroke. And how does this affect families? Families may be losing breadwinners because they are unable to work. Um, you may have persons that have high healthcare costs because when you have a chronic disease, there's the medication, there are the visits to the doctor, there's absenteeism from work, which are significant. Um, you may want to see your children grow up and or participate more in their lives, but you can't because you're dis disabled. You may get blindness from diabetes. It's really a significant problem, not just for the family, but also for Jamaica because it's a very costly set of diseases to manage. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Porter. And I think this brings home the challenges and the specific effects for everyday Jamaicans from the individual level all the way to productivity and even how it can affect the economy eventually. So um, we're going to now explore how COVID-19 impacts persons with non-communicable diseases and other comorbidities. So Dr. Porter, I know yourself and the team at the Ministry of Health have been busy trying to ensure that we are protected as we navigate the COVID-19 pandemic in Jamaica. We've heard about the issue of comorbidities coming up um, as it relates to NCDs and susceptibility to COVID-19. Can you explain to us what are some of the conditions, the comorbidities that are of greatest concern in relation to COVID-19? Well, We've seen that in the past few months, when we look at um, persons that have severe disease when they contract COVID, um, those persons tend to have obesity, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease like heart disease, and other chronic conditions. So those are the top ones. There are others. And those persons um, are at risk of severe outcomes from COVID. So they're more likely to have the severest symptoms, you know, shortness of breath. They will have what you call acute respiratory distress and have to go on a ventilator. And they are likely to die compared to other persons that don't have chronic diseases who may have a very mild or maybe no symptoms at all sort of course from, from COVID. We're concerned also that, yes, COVID is a pandemic right now, but NCDs is also a pandemic, you know, and I think it's even the bigger pandemic because um, COVID is showing that persons with chronic illnesses are really very vulnerable um, on many fronts. So they're vulnerable to severe complications of COVID, but because of COVID, they, it's a particularly stressful event for them. There are issues accessing health care because now they're in isolation, quarantine. You know, they're socially distanced or physically distanced from their loved ones. Um, and some of them are at home. They're not eating well. Um, they're running out of medication. And they're getting complications or uncontrolled. And those are the things that... So even if they don't get COVID and get severe complications, then the other spin-off from COVID and NCDs is that they're likely to have uh, severe outcomes for their chronic illness because their mental health is affected and their issues accessing care so that they can be controlled. Yes, thank you so much. Do we know what we're eating? Important information about unhealthy foods doesn't always get to us, and this can lead to wrong choices. One in two Jamaicans is overweight or obese. Obesity increases the risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, 13 types of cancer, and even death. We need full information on food labels. We have the right to know what we're eating. What's in our food? Give us the facts. A message from the Heart Foundation of Jamaica, the Minister of Health and Wellness, and the National Consumers League of Jamaica. So um, it's really is concerning in terms of the double burden that we're now facing with having a society that has such high levels of non-communicable diseases, as you mentioned, and then with the COVID-19 
pandemic, um, it just brings to the fore the the need for prevention as well as solutions as we try to recover from the pandemic and make sure, try to ensure that the population isn't um, as susceptible to any such pandemics in the future. So we are joined by Dr. Susan Suarez-Winter. She's clinical nutritionist at the Caribbean Institute for Health Research at the University of the West Indies, Mona. And she will speak a little bit about prevention of NCDs and policy solutions that can improve the health of our population. Dr. Suarez-Winter, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the nutrition-related risk factors for obesity and NCDs. Dr. Ro Porter mentioned some, but we'd like you to go a little bit more in detail of those risk factors. Okay, so as Dr. Porter explained, obesity and NCDs are really very complex diseases, so they're very multifactorial in causation. And so there's really no single solution to treating or preventing these diseases. And you have to take a very multifaceted approach to treatment. But there are many modifiable risk factors, most of which are related to your diet and exercise. And so these are related to risk factors, but also issues that can be used as solutions. So in a rough sense, obesity is caused from excess caloric intake, eating essentially too much food. That does not equate to how much exercise you're doing so that you develop an imbalance. And so you gradually gain weight over time. And that obesity is related to the hypertension, diabetes and some cancers. So in addition to excess caloric intake, there are specific foods that might lead to that. So we know for sure from very strong evidence that sugary drinks, for instance, having excess sugary drinks, these are drinks with excess added sugars, including even the non-nutritive or what we commonly know as the artificial sweeteners um, that, that is associated with obesity. Also, specific, the unhealthy fats, so not necessarily total fats, but there are unhealthy fats, specifically the um, trans fats and the saturated fats. And these tend to be caught up in what we call ultra-processed foods. And ultra-processed foods are those foods that are highly processed, have excess added nutrients, problem nutrients, which are associated with many of the NCDs. So, for instance, sodium um, or salt, as we may know, whether you add it in foods or it's as a preservative. We have added salts, added sugars, and as I said, the unhealthy fats. So many of these things, if we eat too many of those things, um, it can increase our risk. And so in finding a solution, an approach would there be, therefore be to reduce the consumption of those foods. Okay, thank you, Dr. Suarez-Winter. So in terms of the long-term solutions, what can we put in place to prevent non-communicable diseases in the long run? Okay, so because of these are lifestyle-related to diseases, so what we eat, what we do, you want to think of a more broad-scale solution to how can we change the environment in which we live. Because it doesn't matter if your approach is healthy, But if you don't have a supporting environment, then it's very difficult to make these changes. 
So two key solutions that we can think of, particularly in terms of, say, children, um, because children are one of our more vulnerable groups, is to look at a, a comprehensive school nutrition policy that will ensure that um, children, when they are in schools, they are pretty much spending at least a third of their day in school. So you assume that at least a third of their nutrition, their daily nutrition should come from within the school. So you want to ensure that they are provided with safe and nutritious foods within the school environment that would entail, you know, curbing the sugary drinks in schools. And we know already there is an interim ban on sugary drinks in schools, and that really ought to be maintained um, because some of the sugary drinks out there are very excessive in sugars. But it's not just about the sugary drinks. There are also unhealthy foods in a school. So snacks, um, salty snacks, sweet snacks. Are we serving fruits and vegetables in schools? So you really want a very comprehensive policy that looks at not just a diet, but also even physical activity. Are children getting enough physical activity in school? And even though we are now in a pandemic where many, you know, children are not necessarily back at school, it's also something that parents can still enact at home, ensuring that children have that safe environment at home with which to eat. This leads into another policy, um, specifically around children also, in terms of the marketing of unhealthy foods to children. If you look in the food landscape, so in retail, when you go into the stores, you'll see that a lot of the foods that target children, they have cartoons, um, games, you know, you, there are lots of what you make perceived to be juices on the markets, and you, you have that perception because they have fruits on the cover. But when you look at the ingredient listing, there isn't actually any fruit in there. And so one of the key components of a school nutrition policy, but expanding to children on a wider level would be to curtail the marketing of unhealthy foods and beverages to children. And then the third one is also from a broader scale, which affects the wider population is now front of package labeling. We already know from evidence that quite a number of the foods that are available in a retail market have excess sodium, sugars, and the unhealthy fats and non-nutritive sweeteners. And so we do want, while we do want to encourage reformulation, we need a simple tool that the population can make informed choices. And that comes through with a front of package labeling, whereby a warning symbol something that will alert consumers to know that this particular food is unhealthy. As we go along, we're more reliant on packaged foods. And so this is where it's very important to ensure that consumers, A, have a right to healthy food, have a right to be able to choose healthy food, and also encourage that more healthy products will be available on the market. Okay, thank you, Dr. Winter, and certainly pointing out there that while we have um, individual behaviors in terms of um, our lifestyle, the food environment also has to be conducive if we want to prevent and um, NCDs and for the benefits of our population. So I wanted to ask you from a nutrition point of view, what recommendations do you have for persons living with NCDs through this very difficult time? 
Okay. COVID has come and kind of upended everyone and created some havoc. But one of the key components is really to try to adapt and maintain some level of stability. So in addition to following the general government guidelines on COVID, you know, wearing your mask, um, keeping your hands and surrounding sanitized and keeping a safe distance, if you already have an NCD or some underlying condition, it's very important to ensure things like your prescriptions are up to date, that you maintain taking whatever medication. We also need to ensure that even persons who may not have symptoms is to recognize that COVID does still affect your cardiac um, function. And so you want to ensure that you monitor your health. So those are just the basic guidelines. Um, but generally, um, and this, as I said, applies to both NCDs, obesity, and even just a general population, ensuring you maintain a more plant-based diet, uh, cutting back on sugary drinks, as we said, those have a unique feature. We want to specifically avoid certain beverages. Um, so alcohol, for instance, we know that alcohol does suppress your immune system. But by ensuring that you do have a wide variety of foods from the various food groups and fruits and vegetables, you will actually ensure that you get the adequate vitamins and minerals that are necessary to maintain your immune system. Um, tobacco cessation is obviously there, even though it's not nutrition, but it, it's a very key component of COVID. And we also want to look at the physical activity side, because as I said, with obesity, there is both the intake and the output side. And COVID has come with a lot of, um, you know, mental stress and, and mental illness is something that many people um, don't pay attention to. But maintaining your physical activity during COVID is very important. And it's especially important for persons with NCD because it helps to regulate things like your blood pressure and your blood sugar. And particularly just to mention for the children, um, because as I said, they are one of our more vulnerable groups. You want to ensure that children do maintain some level of stability, you know, packing their lunch pans so that even though they are still at home, they do get healthy foods. And one of the key things, which I didn't mention before, but it also ties in with both a policy standpoint and also during COVID, explore new options for food. So, you know, while we don't want to necessarily be reliant on the package and the processed foods, consider including a home garden, you know, and um, get those things because you get more natural foods in that way. And it also does help with the mental and the physical activity standpoint. So we know that um, if you need more information on these kinds of things, there are lots of information out there. So we do have at the Ministry of Health and Wellness website, the Heart Foundation of Jamaica, they have a lot of information. If you want um, information on the agricultural side of things, there's 4-H clubs. And also you have your health professionals, so nutrition professionals, medical professionals who can assist if you want more information. Yes, thank you so much for those excellent and important tips. Dr. Ro Porter, did you want to add anything else in terms of the COVID-19 measures from the Ministry of Health side? Um, well, just to say that we really do encourage uh, persons with NCDs to contact their healthcare providers. Don't just stay at home 
uh, check in um, so that you know your healthcare provider can know what's happening with you and can give you that kind of assistance. We may we know it's a little difficult for you to go out, but it's very important to maintain contact with your healthcare provider. There's the COVID hotline, not just for persons with NCDs, but the public, uh, which is 888-1-LOVE or 888-663-5683. The ministry website was mentioned and there's a COVID section there. But for those persons that are really having it difficult, uh, depression, anxiety, there is a hotline that can be called to get some counseling and assistance, 888-NEW-LIFE or 888-639-5433. And lastly to say that there are persons that are walking around that don't even know that they have a chronic illness. That's so important. Persons don't know their status. We're encouraging persons to get tested, to get screened, get screened for diabetes, uh, get screened for your blood pressure. So get your blood pressures done, get your checkups, um, get your mammograms done, get your pap smears done, and all the other tests that are recommended to screen for those important diseases. It's still relevant, especially now, because you could be walking around with an NCD and you don't know, and you'll still be susceptible, vulnerable to having severe illness, whether or not you know you have it. Yes, thank you so much. Very, very important knowing your status, knowing your numbers. These, this can have serious implications in terms of your health status and going forward, um, your, your vulnerability. So I'm so happy we had the opportunity to speak today. I think it was a lot of useful information um, that we can act on to improve our health as well. So thank you so much, Dr. Ro Porter and Dr. Susan Suarez-Winter for the work that you actually do and for joining us today to discuss some of these matters. In the next episode of our podcast series, we will be talking about front-of-package labeling and why it's important for you to know what's in your food. In case you missed any of what was discussed today, you can visit the Heart Foundation website and listen to the podcast recording. For more information on non-communicable diseases, you can visit the website and social media platforms of the Heart Foundation of Jamaica and the Ministry of Health and Wellness, or you can contact your healthcare provider.